we begin with the assumption that God speaks. Do not minimize this assumption. Because it separates the God of the Bible from the deities worshipped by other religions. You do not hear adherents of other world faiths giving testimonies of how their deity spoke to them. Every religion is going to offer you principles of how to have a better life. But the God of the Bible is offering an invitation to have a dynamic relationship with him that involves two-way communication. You see, Moses said it years ago in Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's not the precepts that we live by. It's not the principles. But we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our relationship with the God of heaven is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. We do not believe that God has developed laryngitis. And so we're starting this series called Hearing God. And I don't often do this, but if you did not hear the teaching last week, you need to go back and hear it because we built a foundation, a table that we're going to be building on because we believe God still speaks. He must speak. It is who he is. And I don't believe most Christians struggle believing that God speaks. I think we struggle believing that God would speak to me. Perhaps not realizing that what we really have is a hearing problem. And so the purpose of this series is to equip And we've got exercises each day for you to practice. And if you will work these disciplines, we really do believe that we can increase our capacity to hear God. Now, I want today to talk with you some different ways that we know God speaks. And we begin, of course, with the Bible. We believe the Bible is completely the Word of God. The first and best way to improve your hearing is to read the Bible. After all, this is what the living Word did. Jesus did not just fulfill Scripture. Jesus memorized scripture. There was always a verse on his tongue when he needed it. He interpreted scripture when he taught. He resisted temptation by quoting scripture. He rebuked his critics using scripture. Jesus perfectly modeled what Paul said the Bible is for in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that all scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you have sat under my teaching ministry any length of time, you know how much I love the Bible. I love the Bible from the table of contents all the way through to the maps. 
My favorite way to preach is just to pick a book of the Bible and start with verse 1 and go all the way through to the end. I try to do that at least once every year. Later this year, we're going to take one of the minor prophets. We're just going to preach through the Bible. I'll just go ahead and tell you, right now, I'm studying for some sermons early next year. I'm going to preach through the book of Revelation. So you can go ahead and start salivating. So... If you come to me and you say, I'm having trouble hearing God, the first thing I'm going to say is, are you reading your Bible? Do not expect God to open his mouth if you have shut his book. If you're not reading the Bible, you have turned off your phone. Don't complain that you never get any calls when your phone is turned off. Because an open book is what helps you have open ears. The Bible is completely the word of God. But remember, God has a voice, not just a pen. And so while we believe the Bible is completely the word of God, the Bible is not the complete word of God. In other words, when the New Testament was finished, God did not suddenly become mute. We talked last time about how we have sung this for years. For example, there was a song we sang a lot in the little church I was raised in. We typically sang it before communion. We should probably have sung it before the sermon. The first verse went like this. Break thou the bread of life, dear Lord, to me. As thou didst break the loaves beside the sea. Beyond the sacred page, I seek thee, Lord. My spirit pants for thee, O living word. And when we sang that song, we got it right. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, not just my sheep read my word. And so God's word in scripture gives us his general direction for our lives. But we believe God's voice gives each life. Specific guidance. This was the promise of the Messianic age that Isaiah alluded to. We saw last time in chapter 30 that God will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. Your own ears will hear him. And right behind you a voice will say, this is the way you should go. Whether to the right or to the left. Because all of you know, there's a difference between Knowing a book and knowing the author. Jesus said of his critics, the Pharisees, you diligently study the scriptures, but you have not heard his voice. And so when I was a boy, I loved to play golf and I loved heroes of the faith, great men of God. And that's why I fell in love with Byron Nelson, because I knew he was a great golfer and a great man of God. So I bought his books. I read them. I studied them. But how cool was it late in life that I got to know the man? That I had a two-way relationship with the man. Because it's so cool to know the author. That's why we have the book. To help us get to know the author. So God's voice is never going to contradict scripture. Aside, it may contradict your interpretation of scripture. But God's voice will never contradict scripture. But his voice isn't limited to scripture. 
And so let's just talk about some of the ways God still speaks. They're all over your Bible. I got them out of the Bible. And I I wrote down seven chief ways. They're not going to be on the screen. So if you're a note taker, take them down. Here's the first. God still speaks through creation. In fact, some of his clearest words from his mouth are the works of his hands. Look at Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out to all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. The Bible says God has revealed his nature through nature. Jesus said every lily. Every sparrow, every rainbow is a message from God. In fact, Paul said in Romans 1, men are without excuse because God's creation has given clear evidence. His creation is a clear sermon of his existence. God speaks through creation. Enjoy it and listen. God secondly speaks through gifted teachers. He has one voice, but he has many mouthpieces. So Paul could say in Ephesians 4, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And so often people will come to me after a sermon and they will say, oh, God really spoke to me. And I know what they mean. And in that moment, I don't toot my own horn. I'm thankful that I got to be the horn, that I got to be the instrument through which God spoke to somebody else. Paul, who was a gifted, spirit-filled teacher, explained it this way, 1 Corinthians 2.13. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's Words to explain spiritual truths. You need to be grateful for gifted teachers, especially you, because you live in a land and you have the resources to take advantage of this gift. You can go to churches like this, Christian bookstores. You can download podcasts of some of the best teachers in the world every week. There are Christians around the world that would give anything to have the exposure to gifted teachers that some of you might be taking for granted. Don't do that because God speaks through gifted teachers. Third, he speaks through the faith family. Has a fellow believer ever told you exactly what you needed to hear in a particular moment? You see, we stand in the community of the spoken to. In Acts 15, for example, the church is wrestling with the Gentile problem. What to do? They turn to Scripture. They listen to Peter and Paul share their experience and testimony. And then they reach this conclusion, Acts 15, 28. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And somehow in community, they discerned the will of God. Because the Holy Spirit is continually connecting believers so that they can hear God speaking together. So let me just say, 
How invested are you in a close group of other Christians? Bible class, small group. I'm, I'm talking about some specific Christians that you know and know well that you are pouring into and they're pouring into you. Because I tell you, you can't improve your communion with God. You cannot improve your relationship to the Father if you're ignoring his children. Because God speaks through faith family. Fourth, God speaks through circumstances. Many times God has ordered life events to give me direction. Sometimes he has opened doors to make it clear where I should go. And sometimes he has closed doors to make it clear where I should not go. And this is not easy. But sometimes God has used pain, suffering, and difficulty to get my attention. And everybody here understands what I'm saying. I think it is a mistake every time you have a trial or a suffering that you just immediately assume it must be the devil because that might just keep you from hearing God. Listen to Psalm 119. David says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than 10,000 pieces of silver and gold. David says, it was good for me to suffer so that I could focus on what was coming out of your mouth. And so, the next time you go through a hard season in life, don't ask, I wonder if God is trying to tell me something. But ask God, what are you trying to tell me? Because God uses circumstances just like he uses gifted teachers and faith family and creation to speak to us. Now, so far, no one's comfort zone's been expanded. No one's got a problem with what I've said. Put on your seatbelt. Because these aren't the only ways God speaks. For example, all through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, God speaks through angels. Did you know the word angel simply means messenger? And all through the Bible, God used angels as special couriers. Now, honestly, I am not aware of a time that I got a message from God from an angel. However, I am aware that the Bible says, be kind to strangers Because you're not always aware when you're talking to an angel and you don't know it. I do know this. And I mentioned this when I did the Heaven series. Many times I have been beside the bed of someone just about to die. Who told me they saw angels. And I've heard many stories from many other people. Remember when Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. How the angels came just as Lazarus was dying to carry him to the bosom of Abraham. I believe that when saints die, God sends angels to speak and say, it's okay, you can let go, we're going home. I do know a deacon who told me that he thought his wife was an angel, and I asked him why. He said, because she's always dropping in, harping on something. I believe God still uses angels. There's nothing in the Bible that says he stopped. And there's nothing in the Bible that says God has stopped using dreams 
and visions. It's all over the Bible. Now, nowhere in the Bible are you commanded to seek God's will through a dream or a vision. But God uses, at his initiative, that means to communicate. Numbers 12, verse 6 When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. In fact, in the Bible, the absence of dreams and visions was a sign of judgment. For example, in the time of the judges, when God is displeased at the people and their rebellion, it says, 1 Samuel 3, 1, that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And all of the Hebrews knew exactly what the author was saying. He was saying God wasn't happy with the people and the way they knew God wasn't happy, there weren't many dreams and visions at that time. Joseph, Daniel, Joseph, the father of Jesus, seemed to primarily get their revelation through dreams. Now, again, it doesn't seem to be the way God speaks to me. In fact, Either I don't dream much or I just don't remember dreams. If I remember dreams, all it means is I had Mexican food for supper. (laughs) But I do believe God still speaks this way. If you have it, you need to get a copy of Nika Maple's book, 12 Clean Pages. She grew up in our church. An amazing story. She finds out as a young girl she has lupus. A debilitating lifelong disease attacking her immune system. And she's trying to decide, how am I going to live with this? And she makes a decision, I'm going to live with joy. And she has a dream. A dream that she's in an orchard of fruit that she wants, but there's a wolf that wants to chase her out and keep her away from the life that she wants. And that if she sings with joy, the wolf goes to sleep and she can have the life she wants. What's the significance? Well, you Latin lovers know. Lupus is Latin for wolf. That was God's word to her. Or one of my favorite sisters in the church is Ruth Williamson. Precious Ruth, when she's a young mother of two little girls, becomes a widow eight days after her husband is diagnosed with polio. You ought to ask her sometime how God used a series of dreams to comfort her, encourage her, And to assure her that her life could go forward with Jim, who she now has been married to for many years. About 10 or 12 years ago, the elders went on a retreat. And we determined that we were going to call this church to pray at a level we'd never prayed before for our city. We had a special way we were going to ask the church to do it. We told nobody. The next week I get a call from a preacher in town I barely know. He said, can I take you to lunch? I said, sure. He takes me to lunch. He says, I know this sounds crazy. I had a dream about you. Now, I barely know the guy. He said, here was my dream. He said, we're walking down this long hall. On the other side of the hall, people are praying. We get to the end of the hall, and you get on your knees, and I put my hands on you, and I say, Rick, encourage your people to pray. And then he humbly said, that's my dream. I don't know if it means anything. Well... I think maybe God was confirming exactly what it was he had put on our heart to ask the church to do. I know this too. And you can go to different missions, organization, websites and check this out for yourself. There is an incredible amount of testimony on the mission field 
in countries where it is illegal to hand out Bibles or evangelize, especially in the Muslim world, of people coming to missionaries saying, tell me about Jesus. And when the missionary says, why do you want to know? They say, because I had a dream and Jesus told me to come find you. And this does not surprise me. Because you can outlaw the Bible, but you cannot silence the voice of God. And so God speaks. He speaks through creation, through gifted teachers, faith, family, circumstances, angels, dreams, and visions. I haven't even mentioned he can speak through donkeys. He can speak through burning bushes or Morgan Freeman. God has a lot of ways to speak. But here's how I think God speaks the most. Impressions of the Holy Spirit. Right now, this room is full of messages. But you can't hear them because you don't have what you need to tune in to the messages that are all over this room. God designed his children to be able to tune in to him. Nehemiah understood this in chapter 2 when he's back in the city with this dream to rebuild the walls. It says, at that time I had not yet told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. He didn't hear this from reading the Bible. Somehow God put it in his heart. And God can do this. When you became a Christian, God gave you a hearing aid. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And you can expect the Holy Spirit who inspired the Scripture to explain and help you apply Scripture in specific situations in your life. Jesus promised this, John 14, 26, the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. And what the Spirit reveals will always match up with what he wrote. But we, for three centuries now in the Western world, as an influence of the Enlightenment, have discounted the spiritual world. We have built and worshipped at the idol of rationalism, and we can't let that idol in the church. Because we believe there is a spiritual world, a reality more real than what we can measure with a test tube or hold with our hands. And the world does not understand the wisdom that we operate on because they can't hear it. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, God has revealed it to us by his spirit. And the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. You see, communication is simply the process of guiding somebody else's thoughts. I'm doing it right now. I'm guiding your thoughts because I am finite. I must use finite means to guide your thoughts. My voice, inflection, facial expression, body movement. But God is not finite. He is infinite. And so God can direct your thoughts 
directly. He can speak straight to your mind and to your heart. And he does. He does for all believers because all believers are anointed. That's the word that John uses. He says, you don't need anyone to teach you. He's not putting down human teachers. John was a human teacher. Here's what he's warning against. Now you mark this in every cult. There's some guru who says, I get special messages from God that the rest of you don't get. So you all come around and follow me. And John says, don't you go there. You are all anointed. You can all hear from God. Now, I am aware that the the land we're walking on right now has some landmines. We'll talk about some later. I am aware that anything that God does that's real is counterfeited by Satan. I'm aware that a lot of damage has been done by people claiming to speak for God. But the answer to abuse is not to shut down words from God and to practice spiritual deafness in the church. I'm not going to let a few nuts keep me from the fruit that God wants me to have. Because we live by every word. That comes from the mouth of God. It's interesting to me that most of the time the Bible doesn't tell you how God spoke. It just says, and God said. And it doesn't say how. Was it an impression of the Spirit? Was it an angel? Was it a prophet? See, you're not going to put God in a box. God's not going to be limited to only one way to communicate. But what I hope is starting to happen is that some of you are starting to realize, wow, I have been hearing from God, and I didn't always know it was God. But I do believe that God broadcasts a lot more than most of us are receiving. Back when The telegraph was the main form of long-distance communication. There's a story of a business needing a Morse code operator. A bunch of people answered an ad in a paper to apply for the job. They're filling out some sheet, sitting in the foyer waiting to be interviewed. When this guy comes in, he gets his sheet, sits down. He's only sitting down for about a minute. He stands up, walks through the door to the back. Everyone wonders what's going on. And a couple of minutes later, he walks out shaking the hand of the boss. Congratulations, you've got the job. And everybody's saying... Well, he wasn't here before us, and we didn't even get a chance to interview. That's not fair. To which the boss replied, the whole time I've been typing in Morse code. Come on in if you want the job. It's yours. And he's the only one who came. God is communicating. So what's it going to take? What's it going to take to hear God? Some technical difficulties, maybe? Or, you see, what you want God to do is to just talk over all the noise in your life. And that's not going to work. What it's going to take is a commitment to tune out the other noise. You see, we're all selective listeners, aren't we? A couple of weeks ago, it's the night before I'm about to take a short trip And my son walks into the living room where I'm in front of the TV watching a game and says, I love you, Dad. Have a good trip. I'm just focused. I love you, Dad. Have a good trip. Nothing. 
And my wife, in her own gentle way, says, Rick, your son's trying to talk to you. (laughs) What? Huh? Huh? What? Huh? I was so focused, or she would say, distracted by a trivial sound that I wasn't hearing a much more important message. Well, I I just don't hear from God. I wonder how many times God has called. And all he got from you was a busy signal. You must lower the ambient noise in your life to hear the whisper of God. You want to listen better? Think about that word. There's one thing you have to do to listen. And it's the one thing in our culture we may hate more than anything else. You're going to have to learn to become silent. In the Bible, silence is a virtue. When Jesus wanted to commune with God, he went somewhere. It says, for example, Mark 135, before daybreak the next morning, he got up. He went out to an isolated place. To pray. When Jesus wanted to connect to God, he went somewhere where he could listen, where the other noise wasn't overpowering. He taught his disciples the same practice. Chapter 6, he said to them, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Until you get in silence, you don't even realize how noisy the world is. If you want to hear from God, don't expect God to try to shout over all the other noise you're concentrating on. To get good reception, you've got to get rid of the interference. That's one of the reasons why we're giving you these sheets. They're also online. This very week, there's some things you can do to practice giving God undivided Attention. Because here's the thing. The capacity to receive messages from God is his gift to you. But your decision to tune in is your gift to God. And so, when you read your Bible, stop when you're through and be still. And say, okay, Lord. I'm listening. When you pray, take a moment and be quiet and say, Lord, is there anything you would like to say? It's like what Eli taught young Samuel, who did not know yet how to hear God. And he told the boy, you say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let me tell you the first time I ever heard God. I've never told this story publicly. The first 11 years of my preaching ministry, I was in Abilene, Texas. I don't say this in a pompous way, but I was a young man that was well-liked. 
I got a lot of affirmation from people, not just in my church, but across in the churches of Christ we called the brotherhood. And I liked being liked. And then I moved to this church. And in one year, I got more slander, more ugly letters, more criticism than in my first 11 years of preaching. Most of it from outside of this church. Simply because I was at this church. And I didn't like it. Because I like to be liked. And I was whining one day having a pity party in my office. I remember exactly where I was. I got down on my knees telling God how unfair I thought all this was. And God spoke. Now usually when God speaks to me it's just an impression. It's just a whisper. This time it was so clear. I heard the words. Here's what I heard. Where in my word did I ever say, go into all the world and save the church of Christ? And I knew exactly what God was saying. That I had made the adulation of a brotherhood an idol. And God was gently rebuking me. I didn't feel condemned. I felt loved. Because any time you allow anything to be an affection that supersedes the affection that belongs to God, there's only one thing to do, and that is to repent. And I did. And right there, I remember, I promised God, this will never be a word you have to give me again. And I told God, I have a wonderful church. I am blessed to be their preacher. I will be the best preacher I can be for this church. And never again will I fret or worry about some letter, some email, some website, some anything, anywhere. Because pleasing you is more important than pleasing men. And I will tell you. That's the day that my walk with God started to go to an entirely new level. Because for the first time, I wasn't doing all the talking. And I want that for you. So we're going to sing a song now. And during this song... Maybe you're hearing God's specific call to you to come and be baptized. That marvelous way of expressing faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. If God is calling, answer. Let's stand up. Let's sing.